What's up, it's your boy Enigma, and have you ever watched a movie you loved from your childhood recently and thought, what the f*** was I thinking? Past and Present is a podcast revisiting those awkward times, asking, does your favorite movie stand the test of time, or is it utter trash now? The latest episode starts now. What kind of magic spells to use? Slime and snails, puppy dog tails. My bad, y'all. I just wanted to kind of get some dance, magic dance going on before I hit this podcast. What's up? It's your boy Enigma back with another past and present episode. And today, obviously, we're going to talk about The Labyrinth. So I'm not sure how big this movie was in your childhood, but this was a pretty significant movie in my childhood. Released in 1986 and on video in 1987, it stars David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly, and pretty much that's all you really need to know. (laughs) So here's the thing. Back in this time frame, I was around uh, eight or nine, I want to say, and there was a part of time in that when I was that age that I actually lived out in Germany. So what a lot of people don't realize, living in Germany in the mid-80s and before and probably a little after that too, there was no American television to watch in another country. So we didn't have a fire stick or some of the many streaming options that we probably would be able to get now out in that area. But back then they had a few channels, local channels, and they were all German channels and all in German language. And I remember my dad teaching me how to use a VCR back then because that's all we had. And this might have came a little bit after Germany, maybe when I returned to the States. That's when this movie um, finally hit video. And, you know, it was just one of those movies that I grew up with. And I'm saying that, but it may have been in Germany too. I'm not 100%, so I'm just going to be honest with you as far as when I actually watched this. But I do know I watched it on VHS, and I watched it a lot. It was one of those movies that you know it was just one of part of my childhood and i had to revisit it i watched it recently and i just said i have to do a past or present episode on this so i'm gonna go ahead and jump right in and talk about what this movie was to me back in the past Okay, so like I said, this was a movie that I watched on VHS. It came out in theaters in 1986. Obviously, I did not go to theaters. I think I was still in Germany. I don't even know if they had any American theaters out there for me to watch this. But I do remember me and my sister had this on VHS, and we watched the hell out of it. It was one of those movies that we just kept replaying and just kind of a side note what we used to get from stateside we had family members who used to send us vhs recordings of basically anything i'm talking about football games television shows and whatnot i don't know if this was one of those this one i think was actually one of the ones that we watched from like maybe a blockbuster type place or had somebody record it for us you know the first official bootleg who knows but anyways It was one of those movies that you grew up with because we didn't have many options at the time. So I don't know if I was in the States, if I would have probably have watched this the way we watched it then. But all in all, it is a part of my childhood. And one of the things I remember when first watching it or watching it as when I was younger The presentation is beautiful. Now, keep in mind, they did have a little CGI in this, but this is before CGI took over. 
This is how movies actually were made. And the practical effects, in my opinion, are better than the CGI that it had in there. And at the time, in a time where now we rely on CGI, a movie like this wouldn't be made because all of the characters, for the most part, probably would be CGI. And it's not as good as when you have the practical effects. I point to uh, Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back was an actual puppet. But then the Yoda that we got in the prequels was a CGI Yoda and it did not look the same. I mean, I understand CGI is what it is. It's the technology that allows us to get a lot of the movies that we have now. But there's something about those practical effects, especially as a kid. When I see practical effects movies now, it kind of brings you back to a time before all the CGI just took over. And like I said, it had a little CGI in there, but for the most part, it was all practical effects and the presentation was beautiful. Um, the characters were all fun. All the goblin puppets, um, you know, and the main character who uh, Jennifer Connelly plays is Sarah. She's the basically the, the main protagonist, I guess you would call it. But I do have a couple of issues with that. But I'll talk about that when we talk about the uh, present. And... You know, she wishes her brother would go away. The Goblin King, played by David Bowie, actually comes and takes the kid. And now all of a sudden, Sarah wants to change her mind. And he gives her 13 hours to come rescue the child from the labyrinth, his labyrinth. And it is just a complex um, storyline. Well, not necessarily complex, but it's pretty straightforward, to be honest with you. But... Um, that's basically the gist of the entire movie. So Sarah's basically going through the labyrinth and she has a team of people that she meets up that helps her, um, you know, go through the labyrinth and try to save her brother, her baby brother, Toby, I believe his name was. Now, as a kid, I wasn't really a big fan of Sarah, but she played the role of the concerned sister enough for me to care. You know, something about her I didn't really care about, but it moved the story along. I mean, nothing against Jennifer Connelly. I believe she was only 14 when they casted her in this. But um yeah, she she was one she wasn't a character that stood out in the movie in my opinion, but it was something to just move it along. She was good enough for it. So no like I said, no knock on her though. Um it's a brilliant adventure when you look back at it and it's one that she probably shouldn't have been able to complete, but as a kid, you know, you were rooting for her going through all these casts of characters and different traps and things like this. But it was really because of her friends. I think the chemistry between her, especially um I believe his name was uh, Hoggle, Hoggle, something like that, Hoggle. Yeah. <laughs> and um the chemistry that they had it had my eight and nine year old self glued to the TV. I believe Hoggle was really the driving force behind it. He's the one, the conflicted character that really is supposed to betray her, but he actually helps her out at the end. So I kind of like that. Um, like I said, the story itself was straightforward and easy for kids to follow, but you're really not into it before the storyline. As a kid, you were really just looking at the different characters and how funny it is. It was basically like a dark version of Sesame Street, if we're being honest, you know, so you just had a bunch of goblins and that's the part that entertained us as kids. And I think the songs, though, 
that is where the movie excels. I mean, there's still songs in there that will pop in my head to this day. I mean, just like the <laughs> dance magic song I was just singing earlier. I mean, it's a, it's just one of those things that you remember from your childhood. And I think those songs really stuck to me and anybody else who was fortunate enough to watch this. Now, a lot of times when they have stuff like this, they're always concerned that kids may be afraid of the different puppets or monsters or whatever. And I remember as a kid, the only thing that I found scary about this movie was the bog of eternal stench. So just to kind of give you an understanding what that is. So they get into this swamp area and Hoggle mentions that this is the bog of eternal stench, which is a swamp and it has this water and it's really, you know, smells bad. I remember, um, you know, one of the characters kept saying smells bad. Uh, I believe his name was a uh, Logu Lugu. I can't remember. Uh, Ludo. Sorry. <laughs> Ludo. And he kept saying smells bad. So you really got the impression that it really was stench and Hoggle makes a, a message where he says um an announcement that if you fall into it you'll stink forever and it, i don't know for some reason that scared the hell out of me as a kid i don't know if i convinced myself that that is actually something real but just looking at it and the way they kind of displayed it and it was really a disgusting scene and i was just like oh my god i'd be so scared to actually you know be around that area because i'd be clumsy and fall in and have to smell like that for the rest of my life that was the, probably the scariest part of the movie and even when um uh even when they crossed the river or the pond or whatever you want to call it um, when Ludo calls the rocks, you know, there's still some residue on the rocks that comes up from the ground. And I always wondered as a kid myself, I mean, they're still stepping on it. So does that mean that their shoes will forever stink? You know, I had questions like that. I was a pretty inquisitive kid for some reason. But anyways, that was probably the scariest part of the movie that I found as a kid, just because I didn't want to stink forever. So it is what it is. Um, looking at the favorite part of the movie as a kid, the fire gang song, I didn't even know they were called fire gang until I was doing research for this. I mean, I know they say it in the movie and all, but as a kid, you didn't pay attention to all that. And the fire gang was basically the Muppets that were taking off each other's head and tossing it around. Um, it was just a hilarious thing. And then they had that little song they were singing, which was, uh, like I said, the, the music in this movie was just captivating. It just drew you in. And I know I really started laughing when they tried to take off Sarah's head and toss it around and couldn't because it was attached to her head. And then she starts to fight back and she starts taking their heads and tossing it around. But I thought that was just the funniest and most entertaining scene for me as a child. And it's still one of my favorite parts of the movie to this day. So that's what I thought about it as a kid. It was just a very fun movie i enjoyed it i enjoyed the songs i enjoyed the soundtrack i enjoyed the effects it was just great well let's talk about the present all right so let's just be honest with each other the story is essentially a man kidnapping an infant child looking to turn him into a goblin i don't know 
<laughs> when you look at it that way, it is kind of creepy to really. And the funny thing about this, and I read this in the comments um, of one of the videos, that the Goblin King actually treated the kid better than anybody in the movie. So, I mean, was it really a bad thing? I know I'm going too far, but um, but yeah, that when you really look at it as an adult, it, that does kind of stick out to you. Now, Jennifer Connelly aside, I know I talked about her, but Sarah was a spoiled brat. I mean, let's just be honest. From the beginning of the movie, she was a prick. She deserved everything that happened to her in this movie. She was the young Karen. And I guess if Karen, you know, as far as the way we use it today, if you really go back into some of these old movies, you'll see a lot of that Karen type of attitude and how they grew up. She was a spoiled brat. She wanted to do what she wanted. Then she didn't. She got mad at the kid who had her little toy. I'm like, bruh, you a teenager. What do you care if this little boy has it? I mean, she really was a prick. And she deserved everything that happened to her in this movie. I'm sorry. I mean, I, it just was hard to root for her, to be honest with you. Um, another thing I found out that David Bowie's character is actually named Jareth. I, I never occurred to me. He was always the Goblin King to me <laughs> throughout my years as a kid. I never really knew his name. I mean, I'm sure they probably said it in there, but I really didn't pay attention to it because he was just a goblin king and his name is actually Jareth, which I thought was okay. Very interesting. <laughs> um, as far as the CGI is definitely outdated. Um, I was actually surprised that George Lucas produced this. That was a shocker to me because I mean, Jim Henson being involved, obviously, I had no issues with that. That was believable with all the Muppets and things like that and the things that he does on Sesame Street and all that. So that wasn't a shock to me. But what was a shock to me was that George Lucas actually produced this. And, you know, the practical effects in the movie are still good, but the whole, you know, the CGI portion of it, it really didn't pan out as much. And being that George Lucas did star wars in the 70s then that movie still looks good and the cgi there still looks good i mean maybe he didn't put as much effort into this figuring it was a kid's movie but yeah the cgi definitely did not have the same effect um especially when you were going with the uh, scene i was just talking about with the fire gang yeah that cgi is terrible it is very very horrible now the practical effects in there are still good and i found out that the whole so there's a part where uh jareth or the goblin king whatever you want to call him he has this little motion where he has this little crystal ball with his hands and he's moving it side to side i don't know for some reason i thought it was cgi but then i found out that that was actually a practical effect too they actually had somebody who was standing behind him, I guess, and just using his hands and just doing this little juggling thing with the ball. I was like, oh my goodness. So that's why I like movies back in those days. They had to make these practical effects and couldn't rely too much on CGI, but that I thought was pretty dope. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so they that all was um, practical effect. All right, cool. Um, one thing I found funny about this, after finding out that uh, George Lucas was a part of it, I, for some reason, pictured George Lucas and David Bowie in a bar drunk talking about, you want to make a movie that's really effed up and sell it to kids? I got the perfect idea because I'm like, who came up with this? And even Jim Henson, he could have been there too. But I think this is more of a George Lucas trying to convince David Bowie vision in my head. Again, this is not how it happened, but I just, for some reason, 
I just, I don't know. It just, it was funny to me. Like y'all are sitting in a bar. Y'all are either drunk or high as hell. Just talking about how we're going to make this movie, which is hilarious to me. Um, speaking of David Bowie, I didn't even know who David Bowie was back then when the movie first came out, but knowing what I know now, he absolutely killed this role. This man was having fun. David Bowie is one of the biggest stars in the history of music. And I, like I said, I was eight or nine years old. I didn't know who David Bowie was. You know, he was just the Goblin King to me, but knowing that what I know now and being introduced to his music and things like that, he is actually awesome in this movie he is the one who actually carried the movie in my opinion like he basically lit up every part of the show that he was in so and it's so i don't know you just realize when you were younger that you know there's a lot of things about life you didn't appreciate because you didn't really know and david bowie was one of those things that i really didn't know anything about Speaking of the Goblin King, did you know Sting, Prince, Mick Jagger, and Michael Jackson were all considered for the role? Now, I'm glad David Bowie got it, but I don't know. I would have liked to have seen Prince in this for some reason. (laughs) If it wasn't creepy enough, I would have liked to have seen Prince's rendition of this. Maybe Michael Jackson too, but Mick Jagger would have definitely done a good job because I've seen him in some things. Don't know about Sting. I mean, yeah, he would have been interesting too, but Prince, for some reason, is the one that I really would have liked to have seen his version of the Goblin King. That would have been very interesting to see, to say the least. All right, so a couple other things I noticed since I'm an adult now watching this. After taking back the wish, because Sarah wished her brother would go away, and of course the Goblin King shows up and kidnaps her brother, he gives her 13 hours to solve his labyrinth. Such an arbitrary number, don't you think? 13 hours, why not 10? Why not 5? Why not screw you? I'm not giving you any time back. I don't know, where did he come up with 13? Maybe some people who are deep into the whole labyrinth mythology knows that the number 13 means something, I don't know, but... I just thought thought it was kind of arbitrary. Okay, 13 hours. Was this his choice, you know, to give her 13 hours? Could he have given her less? Could he have given her more? You know, I don't know. Um, Hoggle and Ludo, I liked those as supporting characters. But the fox and the dog, uh, I think his name was Sir Didymus or whatever. Yeah, that was he was stupid. He was a character. And I didn't really care for him as a kid either. But watching him now, he was just... You know, it was just a dumb character. They could have done without him, to be honest with you. I don't think there was really much other than the final battle where he was battling the different uh, goblins. But, yeah, he was a useless character. He kind of came in after the whole stench pond thing, and he joined the team a little too late, in my opinion. I think he was just not a good supporting character. But, again, kids show, so it is what it is. A scene that did not age well, that is a little creepy, but I liked it, sort of, (laughs) which says a lot about me, is the masquerade ball. Now, the reason I liked it, because it was really filmed like, if you were high, this is what it would look like, (laughs) sort of way. It was a beautiful, again, the, the, the presentation was beautiful. Uh, and then kind of lead up to it. Basically, what happens is uh, Sarah eats this peach that Jareth had told Hoggle to give to her. And she goes into this trippy dream where Jareth professes his love for her. Now, here's my problem with that. David Bowie is whatever age he is at the time. And 
I believe Sarah in this film is still a 16-year-old girl. So this is creepy in a number of ways that he's professing his love for this 16-year-old girl. And I understand movies were different back then. And if you can watch all these older movies and find stuff out like this. So I get that. It's really creepy, but it's creepy and it's a scene that I love. I don't know why I like it so much. I don't like it for the whole creepy 16-year-old thing. I like it because of the presentation, because it's like a trippy dream. And, you know, I imagine if you get that high and you're at a masquerade ball, <laughs> that's what it looks like, you know, but just wanted to point that out. And then the final battle left much to be desired as nothing really happens. She recites these lines and somehow beats Jareth. I don't really understand that. It's, it's like, you know, and again, maybe this is just the older me not really understanding or really caring about the end. I just thought there should have been a little more to it for the final boss battle, which it really wasn't a battle. But, you know, it was what it was. I think it was just a, the way it ended was kind of like, eh, you know. After all that buildup, it reminds me of Explorers. You know, Explorers, the first two acts were great, the buildup, and then you finally get to the payoff and kind of drop the ball. That's how this felt. It, it was just a great buildup to just a mediocre ending. So, as an adult, my favorite scene now is the Dance Magic song as I came in singing on this podcast. I don't know, just something about it. If you just watch David Bowie's performance on that song and just the way he interacts with the uh, puppets or Muppets around him, it's hilarious. It's just like, this is a guy who came to work and was actually having fun. You know, now I could be wrong. He could, as soon as they said cut, he could have been an absolute prick after that and just like, oh my God, I can't wait for this to end. But he genuinely, in my opinion, David Bowie, that is, seems to be having fun fun filming this and that is what the film called for i mean he's a villain obviously but really i mean he was just the most energetic person in the film and again this is one of jennifer Connolly's first films but and she's a great actress but you know i just think the character that she played was just a prick so it just didn't rub me it rubbed me the wrong way, which is why I wasn't into her performance as much. But David Bowie, he acted a fool in this. I'm sorry. So just to wrap it up, I'm on the fence. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm still thinking about it now as I'm talking because the CGI obviously didn't stand the test of times. And the masquerade scene is still a little creepy like I talked about. But this brought back so many memories of me watching this movie as a youngster. Me and my sister used to watch this all the time. And that's why I really want to say it does stand the test of time. Like most movies in that era, there's going to be parts of it that's not going to jive in today's society. Like I said, the masquerade ball portion, I don't think they would film that the way they did in this movie. You know, because, yeah, like I said, David Bowie, I don't know how old he was when he filmed this, but I know that Jennifer Connelly... They said they hired her. She was 14 years old at the time. And I think she was playing a 16-year-old girl in the movie. Yeah, I don't think that's the best scene in all. But, God, hell with it. It did steal the test of time. Because this actually brought me to a place in time where practical effects were good. And, yeah, the CGI in certain scenes may have just, oh, my God. Especially that Fire Gang song. 
And it's funny because, like I said, that's one of my favorite scenes as a kid. But when I look at it as an adult, it looks terrible. All right. The CGI looks terrible. So you're going to get that in these older films where certain portions of the film doesn't look as good as it did when you were younger. But either way, I'm going to say it stood the test of time because it is still a great movie. It is still great to see David Bowie and his performance in the movie. And it is a great story that was being told. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yes, a man kidnapping an infant child. I mean, you can complain about that, but look past that. It's still a good movie. I know I'm really pushing it. Honestly, I'm on the fence with it, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a pass and says it does stand the test of time because you cannot get anything like this now. And I think if they did make this now, I heard they were going to reboot it or something like that. It would be totally different in certain aspects. But anyways, what are your thoughts? Have you seen the labyrinth? Did you enjoy the labyrinth? What do you think? Does it stand the test of time? As always, let me know your thoughts in the comments below. And if you want to check out any of my personal work, hit me up at www.enigmakid.com. That's www.enigmakid.com. It's your boy Enigma signing off. Deuces.